It's more than friendship. It's family. It's fellowship. It's koinonia and with many, with many in my life. God has just blessed me. I'm, I'm here to testify that get old-fashioned with you, to testify of the goodness of God in blessing me with men like Manny, women like his wife Shelly, and many of you out here I see for so many years, and uh, we, are, we have kinship. And I'm just here to share with you the importance of kinship, the importance of leadership in your church. You know, the strength of our church will depend upon the fruit that is seen in it. How strong is this church? Well, Manny and I have gone through a lot of ups and downs in ministry. A lot of them. Not a few of them. I I wish we could say, oh, it's just been, you know, every now and then. But boy, as we get older, and, and as I sit here and I'm sitting there, I'm thinking, Man, I'm almost wore out. I got an eye that I can't see out of anymore. I was dying. I can't even eat Shelly's cookies anymore because I got diabetes now. I'm, I'll be 70 this time next year. And I'm thinking, wow, how much longer? But I'll tell you what, uh, my, my desire, my fervency for ministry, as I walked in your building, was greater than ever. It was, I'm on fire. I'll be honest with you, I'm on fire. I'm on fire for what the Lord wants to do. And, and I'm on fire for what he's doing here. I'm on fire for El Monte and for Diamond Bar and for every city in between and all that we can reach out for because that's what ministry is all about. And I, I, want, I really do want you to, to capture the same spirit that, that we should have in leadership. We should be like-minded in this way. You know, the Bible teaches us we are at one with each other as we are at one with God. And unity in the ministry is as important. It brings, it's so important to the Father. It says that it brings him great joy when we are bound together by this thing we call love. And, 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 and doing ministry is going to begin with that. It's going to rest on it. It's going to, as a matter of fact, doesn't matter what you're capable of doing in this room. It really doesn't matter what gifts or talents that you have. You know, and, and I've seen some tremendous, uh, tremendously talented people fail in ministry. Because it's not about what you can do, it's about why you do it. it it's not about how good you look. It's about how good you're used <laughs> Charles Spurgeon said, we're not Christmas trees. We're not Christmas trees that look so great, but don't touch them. We're we're supposed to be fruit trees. We're supposed to be used up. If at the end of the day, I'm picked to death, I I rest well. I rest well. I want to be used. Most miserable time in ministry is when you're not being used. But usually when you're not being used, you, you know, I've seen people turn around and get mad at others because they're not being used. Have you seen that? Where it's like, gee, I'm not being used. And doesn't Pastor Manny know how valuable I am? Doesn't he know what I'm capable of doing? He's just a vessel like you. Pastor all, same way. If you're not being used, it's because your eyes are closed. And you can't hear anymore. And you've lost the sensitivity of what 
is necessary, the sensitivity necessary in ministry to be able to follow the Spirit of the living God, to watch Him, to watch Him move. I remember Pastor Chuck said one day to a bunch of us guys, young guys that just were picking Him with questions, and we asked Him, how do we know when God is moving? Or how do we know where God wants us to be? What, how do we know what God wants us to do? Gee, we've wasted so much time waiting for God to tell me what is He. And, and Chuck simplified it so well. He said, can you tell when the Holy Spirit is moving? Do you see it? Do you see it when the, the, the children's ministry is growing? Do, do you see it when, when the Holy Spirit is bringing the people into the church? And, and do, do you see it when, when, when the needs arise? And because there's much to do, you know, that, that's the Holy Spirit calling you. Have you missed his voice lately? Maybe when he just called you to pick up the piece of paper that God put on the floor so that you could be used that day. Oh, but that's a real servant. That's a real servant that with great joy, pick it up. Thank you, Lord. Not only did you go out of your way to give me opportunity. Thank you, Lord, for bringing somebody into this building that would be so thoughtless as to throw that piece of paper down on the floor. Oh, Lord, not only do they need to be here to learn to be more thoughtful, but, Lord, you gave me the opportunity to pick that piece of paper up. Lord, if I wasn't here, maybe it would still be there. I don't know how you think when opportunity comes. You know, Paul the Apostle kind of clears, clears it up for us. And he said this uh, quite a few times. Actually, I'm thinking of, the, the, and you don't have to turn there, 1 Corinthians chapter 16. He's on his way. Oh, the Corinthians want him to be with them so much. But he says, no, I've got to stop by at Ephesus because, you know, there's open doors there for me in ministry. And then with the, without skipping a beat, without taking another a breath, he says, yeah, there's a lot of adversaries there. <laughs> well, without much uh, exegesis needed, he was seeing the adversaries connected to the open doors. You see, you see opportunity in ministry isn't just getting up here what Pastor Manny does, what the musicians do, with just a small period of time during the course of the week. But ministries from the time you get up to the time you go to bed and, and every day of the week. You've been called. I was told that the ones that will show up here at 2 o'clock on Sunday are those that are being used or maybe those that want to be used. And so I prayed, Lord, give me something to share to those that are being used or perhaps want to be used. And I've got to describe, first of all, what ministry is. So would you join me in prayer? Because it, anything that happens up here will depend on prayer. Really, prayer. My prayer that God guide me and direct me through His Word, and your prayer that you're able to receive it. That, that you set aside everything that might get in the way. Because you may come in here with, other thoughts. You may come in here worrying. 
Or you may come in here thinking, when is this guy going to... I got places to be and things to do. Now, this time you should set aside. It's an important time. I, I see this word tossed out often these days. I think the young kids picked up on it. The word's epic. You hear him using that word epic? Oh, that's epic, dude. You know, I think this could be an epic moment for some of you. I call them pinnacle moments. The highest I can be. Why? Because God has, sh- has just shown me. He took me to the mountaintop. And he showed me something I hadn't been able to see before because I was setting too low. I, I really want to pray that you allow God to take you to new heights this, this afternoon so that you can see the opportunity that exists. In ministry, real ministry, not limited to the address on this building, but to what God wants to do in your life. And how about this, the whole wide world? That's our ministry. My ministry is to pray for those that I can't reach and to be there for the ones that I can that way I cover all my bases. I love prayer meetings. Let's make it a prayer meeting right now. Father God, I pray that this afternoon you teach us, Lord. You, you bless us with your word. Give us direction and guidance. And, and Father, as far as that epic moment goes, Lord, only if they would have fellowship with you today would anything, Lord, come out of it. So Father, may you touch our hearts. May you bless us, Father, with your word and Between us, Lord God, may your Holy Spirit dwell. Lead us now, guide us, direct us in all things. And if there be any in this room, Lord, questioning their call right now, may they leave here with a sure calling, a sure foundation, a sure direction. Bless us, Father, this afternoon. Keep us together, Lord, as one. Keep us on the same track, Lord God. We just want to serve you now and learn, Father, how to serve you better every day. And I thank you, and I praise you. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. And together we said, amen. amen. What are you called here in ministry? I, I don't know, sometimes you're called ushers, sometimes you're called greeters. Uh, you know, I, I, I've been called a, a lot of things in ministry, I'll tell you that. Uh, I've been called, uh, who do you think you are? Uh, I've been called self-righteous. Uh, well... There was a young man named Timothy and, and, and Paul the Apostle at the end of the uh, 16th chapter of 1 Corinthians uh, mentions his name. And, and I, like what he, 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 I like what he calls him. Because yeah, I've been Pastor Raul Reese's assistant pastor. I started in 1973. I'm really old. 1973, within each other's homes, we started Calvary Chapel, West Covina. That's where it all started. There was just about three families with our children, and we hung around a little circle. None of us could read that well, and that is the God's honest truth. And we would put a a tape, not a CD, but a tape in a tape player, and we would listen to Pastor Chuck Smith teach, and we would follow it in our Bible, but we read our Bibles diligently. And we did ministry in each other's living rooms. And the ministry hasn't changed. We've been given titles, and I think titles are a mistake sometimes. I really do. They get in the way of ministry at times. 
Somebody give you the title of worship leader. Well, I'm a worship leader. And you see people that need help maybe cleaning the, the carpets or picking up the trash or helping with the children. You're not just a worship leader. I, I would caution you to not be too attached to your name tag. Because <laughs> that name tag could mean a lot of things. It, it means that you're what I'm about to describe to you in, in, in this character, Timothy. I'm going to give you two characters this, this, this afternoon. The first is Timothy, and briefly, just briefly, because of what, and as I was sitting there singing and watching the worship go on up here, and in my mind, usually in small churches, everybody does everything, and you need to, but it's lost so quickly. I, I, I pound my head against the, the wall. There's a spot at, at our church in Diamond Bar. If you ever go there, you'll see me standing there, and they always have to repair it because I'm always pounding my head against the wall. You see, my job there is to oversee. I'm the, I'm the assistant pastor of Pastor Rawls. And, and I got to make sure things get done. And Pastor Rawls is a real stickler that we do ministry. That we do ministry. And that means everything all the time. And it, he doesn't have a clock. He, he always has a nice big watch, but he never looks at it. He obviously never looks at it because he knows I get off at 5. And he, you know... And, and he knows I don't come in till 8, but he'll call me at 3 o'clock in the morning. And he'll, he, he will say, we're going to have a meeting at 8 p.m. And it's like, but I love it because he knows ministry. But what will define your ministry individually, and, and remember this morning, we're going to talk about ministry in a, as a whole the work that needs to be done, but we're going to talk about your, your ministry individually. If I can't call myself, you know, something specific, then what am I to call myself? Well, Paul, Paul, or Paul the Apostle says uh, uh, to, to the Corinthian church, he says, and if Timothy comes, see that he may be with you without fear, for he does the work of the Lord. That's it. The day that I die, and, and I make no bones about it, I don't want assistant pastor on my headstone. I, I don't want, you know, even pastor. Anybody puts reverend, I will come back from the grave and hunt them. <laughs> All I want at the bottom of my, and, and only as a testimony, because Paul said it about Timothy. He did the work of the Lord. That's it. To me, as a servant, that is the greatest thing in my life to hear. The greatest thing isn't that I'm Pastor Raul Reese's assistant, but that I'm privileged to do the work of the Lord. So let me clarify to you this, this afternoon, through the life of Stephen now, please turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 6. I'm going to give you some qualities that should be evident in leadership, which means they should be evident in you. Now, make no mistake about it. I'm not here to point the finger at you or make you feel bad, but it's called an exhortation. Now, an exhortation is an instruction. It's an encouragement. As, a, as many spiritual fathers in, in in ministry as I have had over the years, I haven't always left happy 
after talking to them. But I never left thinking they didn't love me. Because all things were done in love. And if in ministry, somebody is trying to help you, or better yet, you're instructed to train someone up. Now, I don't have to ask. I know in every church, in every ministry, there, has, there have been quarrelings. Quarrelings over who does what, who does the most, who, who gets the most recognition. And these things, people, should not be. They should not be. I've seen people get upset because someone dealt with them harshly. That should not be. First of all, whatever you do, if you do it in love, if you do it in love and you're speaking to a spiritual person, it will be well received. No matter what you have to do here, and sometimes ministry is hard. I'm also known at Golden Springs as the hatchet man. If you've been asked to leave ministry, if you've been fired from staff, if guilty as charged, I'm the one that had to do it. But I rarely get somebody leaving. You know why? I can't, and I have let many go. But one thing that happens to me, and it's been such a blessing to me, doing God's work, is I, I've learned that if I pray before I do anything difficult, that God's Holy Spirit dwell between me and them. This happens. When they come in and I have to do something difficult, I cry. I cry. My heart's broken. Sometimes we both end up crying. But I cry because I love them. And through my tears, you have to leave. You have to leave. You didn't understand. And you were warned. Now you have to leave. I think of Christ as he wept over Jerusalem. The compassion of Christ over a city that he loved so dearly. Why did he cry? They didn't understand. Remember before he washed the feet of Peter? What did he say? What I'm about to do, you don't, you don't understand, but one day you will. That's my hope. That in ministry, whatever we do, we do in righteousness, we do with love, and we do with all of our heart, all of our mind, and all of our strength. That was Stephen here. In Acts chapter 6, verse 1. Now in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplying, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. Then the twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, It is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, 
full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. With a good reputation, obviously. Philip, Procurus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenius, and Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch, whom they set before the apostles, and when they had prayed, and when they had laid hands on them. Then the word of God spread, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith, and Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and signs among the people. Now we know what happened to, to Stephen, and I hope and pray that we don't have enough time to go through his whole life. But he gets stoned to death with big rocks. They killed him. Why Stephen this morning? For all that we read of Stephen, we would think he was the head of all the apostles, the top of the heap, the biggest name badge. But he was, make no mistake about it, a table server. He was willing to do what was ever called of him to do. His name means crown. Are you, are you curious about your crown? One day, one day, hopefully, you get into heaven and you receive the crown. That's what Paul the Apostle emphasized when he said we're in a race and run the race with certainty that you would finish this race and you would finish it well and you would receive the prize and the crown of glory and righteousness. And then what you get to do with that crown, and it's not as though you're going to walk around in heaven bearing a crown for pride, looking at each other and well, I wonder how many crown. I wonder how many uh, precious jewels Manny has in his crown. I might have as many as him. I might have as many as you. No, that's not the idea. You've heard the term casting crowns. This, this makes it a little more important to me because I believe in all my heart we're going to see Jesus one day again, and we're going to see him just as I'm seeing you. As a, as a matter of fact, it says in First Corinthians thirteen, doesn't it? You've studied it. Then we will be known as we were known. We will have our identity in a sense. But greater than that, we'll be face to face with God. And, and will you have something to offer him that day? Will you have something to cast at his feet? Oh, I don't want to just get in by the skin of my teeth like it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. I, don't, I, 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 want, I want to receive something. People, I come here this, this afternoon praying that God blesses me today. That He uses me. As, as feeble as my words may be, as simplistic as they may be, that I, I speak the words of Christ to you, that it pleases my Father in heaven. So that I can say, Lord, I did that for you. And it was genuine. Everything, everything you do for Christ is subject to reward. 
Everything is written down. We're told that one day all of our deeds will be cast into the fire and their worth will come out. It reveals the motive of your heart. When you do ministry, make sure your heart is right. Don't come into ministry to be seen. Don't come into ministries so the spotlight will be on you or that I can climb the ladder and I can get Manny's job because I think I can do it better than Manny. That's not why you enter ministry. Just to serve God. Well, I said I was going to talk to you about some qualities that are necessary. Let's talk about, I think, Stephen's first quality. Bible said he had a good reputation. He not only did well before those in church, but he did well outside. His, his, his life spoke for itself. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12, it says, Let no man despise your youth, but be you an example of the believers in conversation, in love, in spirit, in word, in faith, in purity. In other words, let me, let me summarize. Hey, in everything you are, be well disciplined. Be disciplined. My reputation depends, my reputation depends on my discipline, my self-discipline. And, and discipline begins this way, from within. You can have superficial discipline. You can do what's on the outside. You can stop at the stop signs. You can follow the law of the land. You can go to work, punch in on time, punch out on time, and follow all the rules. But if your heart is not disciplined when the lights are out and when you enter into the shadows where you're not seen, your reputation is going to stink before God. So where does discipline begin? My heart. It's an inward thing. Before I can conquer anything in this world, before I can enter into ministry, before I can work with any one of you, I must first learn to conquer myself. The first and hardest thing to do when we enter into ministry, sometimes... And I've had, I had a, a guy tell me he wanted to serve in ministry. He wanted to, to be a servant of God. And I said, okay, when you come. He, I, I said, and he was a business owner. I said, when you come next Sunday, I see you at 6 a.m. upstairs. And, and I want you to follow this guy. He's our maintenance guy. Follow him and just do what he tells you to do. You know what his response to me was? I own my own business. And I don't take orders from anybody. I couldn't believe what I was hearing. He goes, I, I can be of great service to this church. I can be of great service that you don't know what I'm capable of doing. He told me that. He says, but put me where I'm worth something. Boy, I wanted to say what was in my heart, but it wouldn't have been with love. I wanted to tell him, but you're not worth anything. Here, you're not worth anything. But worse than that, in heaven, you'll come back as stubble. Because you serve yourself. You serve yourself. You will only do 
things to be seen, to be heard, to be appreciated. I think of people that leave ministry. And I've had to stop them on the way out and say, aren't you going to say goodbye? Pastor Dale, I'm tired of not being appreciated. I cringe. You have to get over self. Discipline is what is necessary. The quality I'm talking about, here's five signs of a disciplined leader. A disciplined leader will, without reluctance, undertake any unpleasant task. Anything. The the sign of a disciplined leader walks into the building or leaves his house and nothing is beneath him. He only has one thing in mind. He has a goal. He has a vision. I've learned to do this before I leave my house. The Bible says we stand before the mirror. Now, there's two ways the Bible really teaches to stand before. You can stand before the mirror just to see yourself and you forget about how you look the moment you leave the mirror. Or you can stand before the mirror until you behold Christ. You know what that means? You just stay there and stare at it until you see Christ. Now you're going to be a little while because you've got to get through the muck. Who is Christ? Forgave me of my sins. Loved me without condition. Gave me and gave me life more abundant. His mercy, His grace, everything. That is good. I want to see that in, in, in the mirror. I want to see especially forgiveness. I want to see love for my brother. I want to see love for all mankind. I want to see non-judgmental character. I want to see willingness to do all. I want to be like a man that Christ was that will wash the feet of his brother in humility. Hard to do. The second sign of a disciplined leader is he will do what others are avoiding even if he doesn't get a pat on the back. He does it for no other reason than he feels God wants him to do it. Thirdly, he doesn't shrink away from difficult situations. You know, the difficult things to do. And there are difficulties in ministry And they're posed by God sometimes to you. The difficult things, the things you don't want to do. When I first entered into ministry, I was was serving in the children, going to Bible college. One of the requirements was you spend an hour or you spend a service in the children's ministry. I I had three children at that time, and now I've got nine grandchildren. I have old grandchildren now. But back then, and I'll never forget it, I didn't like to change diapers, guilty as charged. Any guy that likes to change diapers, well, you know, to me, and I'm old school, my wife took care of all that. She'll tell you, in my life, I changed three diapers. I'm not proud of it now, but I used to be proud of it. Uh, But but I got into ministry, and and I got into the children's ministry. Who was there? Pastor Rawls' wife. And I've known Sharon since high school. And I was in there, and I was playing with the kids. I was really good at playing with the kids and feeling good about myself and serving the Lord. And Sharon said, well, it's diaper-changing time. And as bold as bubble up, I said, 
I don't do that. This was way back then. I don't even know if they let men change the diapers anymore, but, but I, don't, I don't do that. And she just looked at me without, without missing a beat, and she said, that's interesting, Dale. She goes, would you please give me a list of other things you won't do for the Lord? So then I won't even ask you. Oh, how worthless we become. How worthless we become when we say we will not. Well, a disciplined leader does not procrastinate. Discipline requires that what we say we're going to do, we're going to do now. The biggest mistakes I've made in ministry have been because I've waited one day too long. One time, I waited one day too long to visit a sick person. Oh, yeah. They called me to come, and I asked, how are they doing? Why did I ask that? I needed another day to do what I wanted to do. And the wife said, oh, don't worry, he'll probably be okay. I went the next day as they were covering him, and my heart broke, and I wept. She ministered to me. She goes, Dale you weren't in control of that. I said, no, I was only in control of serving him. I don't want on my, my headstone missed opportunity. You procrastinate, I can guarantee you will have a regret. Today is the day. Those of you who say tomorrow should read the book of James. I think the fourth chapter. Oh, those of you who boast of tomorrow, you are so boastful and so arrogant, the Bible says. Rather than say tomorrow, you should be saying, if, the will, if, if God wills. How dare you even think you have tomorrow? You have this moment. When, you, when we're all done here... You can be a hearer of the word or you can be a doer of the word. If you've come here to learn how to serve or to to be taught this lesson, then get your eyes open. Pray that the Spirit move you. Pray pray that you become sensitive to the needs of the people, that you can look at a person and pray for discerning uh, uh, gifts, that when you see somebody and they're hurting, you are bold enough to go over to them and just say this, can I pray with you? Just because they say no doesn't mean they didn't need prayer. So you just thank them, walk aside, and pray for them anyway. Pray that God shows you every flaw in this building because you want to be used. Don't walk into this building, and, and I say this, and sorry, Manny, but if you don't want to be here, if on the way in you're thinking, oh no, i got to serve, Oh, no, I've got to be. Don't come in. Why? Because you will affect others. Life's already hard enough for most people in this building. They don't need help from a leader to feel bad. Paul the Apostle in the second cha- in, 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 in Corinthians said, I, I will not, he says, I will not come to you sorrowful, for who is he who is in me if I look sorrowful? Lastly, a sign of discipline in a servant is he's, he's able 
to control himself at all times. Guys, I'm telling you this up and down attitude and then writing it off as, well, you know, that's the way I was brought up. You cannot make an excuse before God. I want you to know that right now. Your bad behavior has no excuse. You can't say, I bit off his head. And, and some, of, some people have the reputation of being harsh or gruff or whatever. Stop it right now. Because the Bible says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It is no longer I who live. I have, I, I have died with Christ. I've been crucified with Christ. Didn't he? A new creation in, in Christ. Either that or he was lying. You can keep your mouth shut. You can discipline yourself. Discipline is simply a continued practice. That's all it is. The hardest thing is doing it one time. The second time easier, the third time even easier, the fourth and fifth time it becomes a way of life. Those difficulties that you never thought you could get over. But you'll never know unless you stop the first time and stop making excuses. Well, uh, uh, another essential in leadership that Stephen had was he had vision. And he had passion. Impossible to do ministry. Impossible to be a leader. And by the way, look around. If anybody's following you, you're a leader. (laughs) That's uh, what happens when you change your life and you start serving God. But I'll tell you what, I love following these people. And without these two qualities, you cannot really call yourself a leader. Do you have vision? If you don't have vision, let me ask you a question. Where, Where are you going? if you can't see. Proverbs twenty nine eighteen says, where there is no vision, the people perish. And he says that for a reason. You'll wander till you disappear. Have you ever noticed some people get into ministry and they're on fire and then very shortly they're not in fire anymore? They're, they were talking about the Lord all the time and then, and then, then the excuses start. Well, I, I know I said I would be there, but I can't be there. And then it doesn't just happen once. It begins to become habitual and then pretty soon you stop seeing them all together. What happened? Let me tell you, no vision because there was no passion. Passion is your unction is the spirit in you that screams, that inspires, that directs. Oh, we could go on and on with the works of the Holy Spirit within the life of the believer, but every one of you has been spoken to by God. It's how you react to the voice of God that makes the difference. And when you, when you react to the voice of God, almost immediately you get vision. You get vision. You start seeing things through different eyes. It's now creative eyes. How can I make it better? What can I do to make it better? Maybe I can form a little committee to make sure there's never a piece of paper on the floor or that the toilets are always clean or there's always toilet paper. Maybe I can make it, maybe I can find a way so that we can pass out the bulletins better or make the bulletins better. Or maybe there's a way that I can come to Pastor Manny and suggest and give him ideas and thoughts. When was the, and I'm not going to put him on the spot, but when was the last time any one of you went to Manny with a vision? It's allowed. Is it allowed? Okay, he just said it's allowed. And, and here's the, the kicker. Every one of you 
having spent time with God. That's the key. Read 1 John. Read the epistle of 1 John. He wrote, the, he wrote that book that we might have joy and we receive that joy by having fellowship with him. Fellowship with him means I've, I'm a man of prayer. I'm a woman of prayer. I'm a woman of contemplation and meditation. I'm a woman or a man who thinks and waits upon God and will not move until I hear him. But we hardly pray except to give him our wish list when prayer should always be a two-way street. I don't have fellowship with God because I pray. I have fellowship with God because I listen. People with vision do tremendous things. I want to be like Douglas Taylor. He was a missionary to Egypt. Others looked at him and made this statement. The statement was, he was a man who always looked ahead and was often said he only saw the end of things. His mind was set on the goal ahead and he refused to focus too long on anything in the way. He said the goal and his vision of it was always his inspiration. Sometimes we have to return like a little child. I have a, a one-year-old grandson. He's rambunctious. But I'll tell you what, he loves, he loves a popsicle. And he can be as far as that lady is way at the back there. And even before he could walk, if I had a red popsicle, I would not have mattered what was in front of him. Nothing would have mattered. His big brothers could have been in front of him he would have found a way to get to his goal. Those things didn't matter to him. But darn it, how many of you won't even go through the slightest disappointment to reach your goal? How many of you give up on your goal? You, you, you dreamt about it. You prayed about it. The Lord showed it to you. <laughs> and you took the test and failed. Well, that's it on my goal. How about Campbell Morgan, whose sole desire as a young man was to go to a biblical college, Cambridge. That's where he wanted to go. That's where he had learned how to be a pastor. Everywhere else had rejected him. And so he wrote to the admissions of Cambridge, he got his letter back, rejected. He calls his father. He sent a letter to his father. Dad, I, I've been rejected again. Will I ever, ever meet my goal, my vision? His father writes back to him, Son, rejected on earth, accepted in heaven. When you have a vision from God, It doesn't matter if you attain it on this earth. He's going to reward you for your desire and your fervency and your unwillingness to stop in attaining it. There's many women and men who had a vision, 
to be in the mission field. But because of various reasons, they couldn't get there. Do you think God isn't going to reward them for being missionaries? Ah, they're going to get rewarded more than you can imagine because they never stopped being missionaries. Well, there's a lot that can be said there, but I got to get on with this. Wisdom. Wisdom is the other essential. Knowledge and intelligence are different than wisdom. Wisdom isn't like the world's intelligence and knowledge. Now, knowledge is the accumulation of facts and intelligence, the development of reason. What wisdom is. You know, I, I can sit here and with cue cards teach you to be a little smarter. It's just a simple matter of memory. You remember and you answer correctly and you get an A. But wisdom isn't about that. Wisdom is heavenly discernment. It's having insight into the heart of things. It involves knowing God and the subtleties of the heart of God. It's different. When I read the Bible and when I spend time with God as a leader, I know this. Success to me isn't like success to the world. Success to me isn't climbing the ladder of ambition. As a matter of fact, my wisdom tells me the least will be the greatest and the greatest will be the least. I want wisdom. You need to be wisdom. You had, need to have wisdom. Fourthly, I need to be able to make decisions. In ministry, I need to be able to make decisions, but I need to make Sometimes a swift decision, a clear decision, but these are marks of a good leader. Now here it is. I want, you, I, I want you to listen carefully. Don't be afraid to make a decision. If you're having fellowship with God, if you're spending time with God, if you have that relationship with God, you can't make a wrong decision. You might make a mistake, but how do you know God doesn't want to use that mistake to mold you and shape you? It might be right. How many of you sitting here today did something really foolish, knocked you off your feet, felt like an absolute failure? I tell people this often. You know when the greatest times of my ministry were? When I failed. When I messed up, because I fell to a depth where God showed up and ministered to me and picked me up and put me back on my feet, it was so glorious to know him in the depth of my failure. I think, what if I had never failed? Then I would have never known him in the depth of my failure. And, and by the way, he is so awesome there. He is so wonderful there. He'll forgive you. He'll bless you. He'll keep you. When everything else might not seem that way. Well, lastly, lastly, and I'm done. I need to be courageous. I need to be courageous. Doing ministry, and I leave this with you, is always difficult. 
1 Corinthians 2.3. I was with you, Paul said, in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. And that pretty much tells me what ministry is about sometimes. Fear and discouragement may be with us in ministry, but it'll never stop us from being leaders. The quality that God is looking at now is the quality in you that would enable you to encounter any difficulty, any danger, not being moved by fear or discouragement. Courageous isn't so much being like a hero as it is being like something that can't be moved. It's your internal fortitude. It's knowing what is right and sticking to it. You know how Paul would write to the Corinthian church once again. He says, and this is the only only place in the Bible that he uses this word, brave. Only place he uses it. He says, watch, stand fast in the faith, be brave, be strong. Let all that you do be done with love. Gentlemen, ladies, be brave, be strong, which means you won't be moved. Nothing will move you. Nothing will change what God has called you to do. Serve the Lord with all of your heart.